Welcome to the Stoic Sage. In this podcast, we are dedicated to using past knowledge tested by time to empower people of today. This podcast series includes discussions around modern challenges utilizing wisdom from nearly 2,000 years ago with the goal of bringing about how to think rather than what to think. Welcome to the journey to sagehood. When somebody wrongs you, ask yourself, what made him do it? Once you understand his concept of good and evil, you'll feel sorry for him and cease to either be amazed or angry. If his concept is similar to yours, then you will be bound to forgive him since you would have acted as he did in similar circumstances. But if you do not share his ideas of good or evil, then you should find it easier to overlook the wrongs of someone who is confused and in a moral muddle. Marcus Aurelius. Hello, Stoics. On today's show, we have a special guest, Brandon Tumblin from The Strong Stoic. I'm really excited to have you on the show as we're going to discuss the complexity of idolizing people in the modern world. So thank you, Brandon, for joining me on the show today. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, so Brandon and I are going to be talking about idolizing. So I wanted to start with instagram something i found uh, most funny as you know we both post on instagram quite regularly and how quotes are categorized by who stated it as far as popularity goes so you can post a quote and oh great it's um but then you know you slip in marcus aurelius and people just flock to it as though he is some god of uh stoicism (laughs) Uh, (laughs) what what would you say are, you, are your initial thoughts on on that kind of thing, given that we both, you know, share quotes on uh, on Instagram? Do, do you notice that? Yeah, I, I notice that a lot, actually. You know, I um, I mean, I, I post probably about 70 of sort of my original, um, you know, what I talk about on my podcast episodes. And then I will throw in some quotes from here and there from Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, um, Carl Jung. And I do find the same thing that people tend to like more sort of. And then, you know, if they see the name Marcus Aurelius, likely to, uh, to give it a like. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about that a lot. And it seems to me like people seem to idolize uh, people that are no longer living, you know, people that are sort of have, and especially people that have written written books. I mean, obviously, Seneca and Marcus Aurelius, uh, these are really Stoics. Uh, and I feel like we tend to see them as gods, right, as opposed to mm-hmm. human beings. And uh and what I mean by that is like, you know, humans are flawed, right? And and we all know this. I mean, we all live, hopefully we know this. We, we live our daily lives. We make mistakes. We're, we're imperfect. I mean, ultimately we're all going to die. So that, that in itself is a, is a flaw, a technical flaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like what we, what we tend to feel about and, and, and people that, that have, uh, have left this world behind, we, we see them as gods. We see them as, as perfect embodiments of the philosophy that they share. Uh, and you know, I mean, I obviously, uh, but what, what I can say is that they're definitely people too, you know, and, um, it's, it's, it's quite obvious if you think about it, that, uh, that these people, they're just as we are now, right. They were just as flawed mm-hmm. now. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it might be the case that, that they talk about all whatever philosophy they're saying. And in my case, uh, a lot of it, Marcus Aurelius, for example, would be stoicism. Uh, they preach these things, but just because they preach it doesn't mean that they were 100% perfect in, in acting it out. 
right? There's always a, a misalignment between sort of the philosophy that you that you would like to to and how much you actually adhere it, right? It's, it's sort of like intentions versus actions. Um, not to say that the philosophy that they are sharing, you know, it, it could be a great one. It could be uh, near perfect. I don't think any philosophy is perfect. Uh, just because of the writing about it doesn't mean that they didn't struggle with that themselves. Yeah, I mean, I picked up uh, Marcus Aurelius's uh, meditations book and like he talks about all of his struggles all, all the time. You know, it's a it's a daily practice. And I think that's the big reason why I, I like Stoicism so much, because it it's a it kind of tells you that you are human. You are going to have a human nature, human flaws. Anything human is humanly possible kind of thing. You know, you kind of have to accept the evil with the good. Right. If you want to believe that you're a good person, you have to believe that you also are capable of being evil. And I mean, this idea of. Um, you know, idolizing these people as though they're absolutely perfect. I mean, that's exactly what is described, I believe, by um, by Zeno. Um, the most perfect Stoic would be called a sage. You know, a Stoic sage is somebody who is who has reached enlightenment as far as they have absolute control over their emotions. You know, and mm -hmm. and freedom from passion, and and that's kind of the the whole pinnacle of, of it. But there's not really many people who can even call themselves that. Um, there's a few theorized people as to, you know, um, who could have reached sagehood, but it's very, very rare as far as that. But that's something that we should be kind of, you know, constantly look into, you know, constantly. Uh, if, if, if you want to idolize something, idolize kind of your future self because you are possibly capable of reaching that. Right. And I completely agree. I mean, we, we forget that the great Stoics had faults all the times. I mean, Marcus Aurelius um, at one point killed thousands of, uh, of Christians because he disagreed with their religion. That's not to say that he's a terrible human being or that you should stop listening to him mm -hmm. because what he says is, you know, very wise. Right. But he definitely had flaws. There were definitely issues that he had to overcome. He was an emperor, so he did have to rage war on a lot of nations. Uh, he also expanded Rome. I mean, you don't right. expand Rome through peace, you know, you, at least at that time, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and you know, right. The interesting thing about Marcus Aurelius and meditations is, is I think people know this, but they forget is that that was a journal. Like he, he wasn't mm -hmm. writing this for mass production. He was, he was writing this as a note to himself. And so one of the common critiques is that he was very repetitive, you know, and, you know, I, I've read, I've read meditations, I think twice now. And, and I would say the same thing, like, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, well, he talked about this idea, like 20 times now, a lot of it around mortality, for example. And the reason why is because this was a journal, he, he, he on a daily basis, or semi daily on a regular basis, at least he was trying to remind himself of, of what he believed in and, and what he was aspiring to be to, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. And part of that is because, of course, he was flawed. Of course, he was flawed. I mean, he was struggling with this stuff. And in terms of the, the you know, the, the terrible things that he's done, and I think anyone great historically has done that, that, you know, that's done great things have also done terrible things. I think they sort of go hand in hand. Uh, that's sort of, sort of sort of a Carl Jung idea, you know, like, uh, in order for a tree to grow to heaven, its roots have to go to hell, uh, so to speak. Uh, but and I, and people struggle with that. You know, I, I had a friend a couple of years ago that he found it, for example, that John Lennon, who he is, he really, uh, uh, you know, aspired to be like, 
uh, he found out that he used to abuse his girlfriend and, you oh, know, wow. it just, yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you look into that, it's, it's, uh, it's true, but, uh, and he, you know, he just got really disheartened about that. And I understand that because I mean, whenever you think, whenever you have an idol, uh, and you learn a flaw, you learn that they're flawed. It's like, it's just like the worst thing in the world. It's like, oh my, like, what am I doing? Um, but I think, although that is disheartening, I think what we have to do with that is we have to flip the perspective, you know? So yes, it's disheartening to know that our idols aren't perfect. However, you got to think about what that means. And what that means is that we can be great and not be perfect. What it means is we all recognize that we are all flawed individually. But that doesn't mean that we can't do great things, just as Marcus Aurelius, just as John Lennon, just as all these historical people that have done great things. Um, they were flawed, too. And so if we are flawed, we can also do great. We don't have to be perfect. We can make mistakes. You know, we're allowed to make mistakes and do great things on top of that. If anything, we should kind of be excited to know that even these great people that we would love to aspire to at some point or like, you know, if we are idolizing them, it, it's kind of reassuring to us it, it, at least it should reassure us that hey you know they're perfect and if i already see them as as on top of this high pedestal i mean i should feel okay with like the flaws that i that that i have or the uh things the negative things that i cause in my life i mean that's that's part of being human and and to me it personally excites me right because when i you know look to somebody that, that that I look up to and I find something negative about them. It is it, it kind of not necessarily to, to say like, oh, yeah, because I want to see them fall or see them fail. But it's more like, hey, this reminds me that they are human, just like I am. They're going to make mistakes just as I am. I mean, mm -hmm. even back way back when, I mean, mythology was was written, uh, at least the Greek pantheon uh, mythology. Right. It was written in a way where the gods were always, you know, having issues. They were, it was so scandalous, right? Mm -hmm. it, um, so many affairs, so many deaths. I mean, they, um, they, they would cheat on each other and all that stuff. Like they were written that way because the people that were writing these stories about the, the about these gods, that was the only way that they can rationalize the idea of you know, why aren't humans perfect? Well, humans are not perfect because the gods that created us are also not perfect. That's the only mm -hmm. way we can explain that. Right. I found that super interesting. Yeah, that that's very interesting, especially in contrast to, uh, you know, the, the predominant religion today, you know, Christianity, because, uh, and, you know, I, I suppose in general that difference between say a philosophy and, uh, and a religion is that a religion, a, a religion would abstract all of the, I'm, I'm talking generally here, but a religion would abstract all of the, the, the great things about, uh, you know, about what, what they aspire to be like. So for example, in Christianity, you have, you have Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is, mm -hmm. is literally the, uh, if you take, if you could imagine from a Christian standpoint, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but from a Christian standpoint, if you can imagine the perfect person, it would be Jesus Christ. And that's how they, yeah. that's who they aspire to be like. And, and, and it's, I mean, they, uh, what would Jesus do? Uh, and that, that's mm -hmm. what that means. It's like, okay, what, what would Jesus do? What would the ideal person do? And then maybe I should try and aspire to be like that. And I, I don't think that's wrong. I don't think it's necessarily wrong because we do need something higher to aim at, right? Like in order for us to get better, we have to have something, we have to have a star to, uh, to move towards. Um, but at the same time, 
you know, we can have an ideal and an idol, which is perfect, mm -hmm. but we have to accept that we're never going to actually be able to meet that. And so when we make mistakes and when we screw up, which we're, we're damn well going to do, uh, get a bit of compassion for ourselves and, and sympathy for ourselves and realize that, you know, we're what, what we are aspiring to be to, if it is sort of a, literally a, a, a God, uh, it's impossible for us to actually get, we can, we can move forward. We can get there, uh, slowly day by day. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the the idea of like, you know, having somebody to kind of strive to or something to strive to. I mean, for me, uh, what, what I personally do is, you know, I, I always think of myself five years ahead of time and then and then try to figure out, OK, well, what, what about five years more, five years more? And like that kind of practice that I do kind of gives me something to to more realistically idolize or like or, mm -hmm. or strive to, right. That's a, that's a personal practice that, that I do that, that I feel is, is very powerful because we all live different lives as well. I mean, we also can't, um, you know, idolize people so much that like you try to follow in their exact footsteps. They're, they're humans. They're, <laughs> they lived an entirely different life. They have an entirely different environment than you. Right. But I, I feel like this whole thing, at least for the, in the modern world, entertainment and like overall like social media the 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 whole that whole industry kind of makes people idolize people and like believe everything without question you know what i mean mm -hmm. i i feel like i feel like right now there's a little bit of an issue as far as you know what the industry is, is making us feel about about these superstars for example right I mean, what, what, what's your opinion on, on like the modern world um, entertainment industry with regards to like idolizing people, you know, trying to find flaws within each other and mm -hmm. like the whole your party, your identity, uh, which one is most righteous. But that's not human nature, though, you know, that like, well, that is human nature for us to, you know, identify one another. But, you know, to try and find perfection within your own identity, within your own group within your own party. I mean, that, that, that whole division is just ridiculous. In, in my opinion, I mean, yeah, many things can be right, you know, at, at once it, it's not, you know, all perfect, whatever you follow, whatever you believe, it's not going to be perfect. That that's human nature. I'm sorry to burst your bubble there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that really ties in theology. I suppose mm -hmm. that's where we're going with this discussion, but but because you know, what you're what you're, the group identity that people have, you know, they, they get into these these groups, uh, including and I, I have a story about that in a second. But but just generally speaking, like people love to cling on to ideologies. And, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about that people ideologies. And I mean, I think part of it is, you know, we evolved as which is a big thing, you know, so you have your tribe of, of about 150 people. And so when you're when you're in, you have protection and uh, from other groups uh, and you also have sort of a, a shared community uh, but the benefit of adopting an ideology is that you don't have to think like, mm -hmm. if you you know if, wow. you, if you know stoicism, stoicism including you know i uh I'm, I'm on a number of stoic groups on facebook and that, you know one time i was on there and, and i saw this woman post on there and she post and she said that she had left christianity and she had found stoicism and this was going to be her new home and you know like part of me go like yeah you go girl because i know stoicism has a lot of value 
But another part of me goes, you're just trading one ideology for another mm -hmm. to actually think because, you know, say what you want about any other group. There's got to be something in there that inspires people. There's got to be something there. Now you might, but there's got to be some value. And I can guarantee you human share what 99 over 99%. And so, you know, we all have so much in common than we, than we like to think. Uh, and so if, if someone on the opposite side of you is so passionate about their cause, you have to wonder what makes them so passionate about that. And what is it about that specific ideology that just encompasses them? You kind of have to critically think, right? Even, even within, within your own, uh, uh, group, you, you have to question them or even question yourself. Why do I believe in this? Why does this give me some form of, um, you know, clarity or comfort, right? Mm -hmm. But you also would like to have your group become better, right? I feel like that's that's a thing that's missing in, in my opinion. You know, it's like when when you're within an, a, a particular group, you need to question them and you need to question yourself. That's that's the only way that we progress. And unfortunately it kind of doesn't happen that much because what I'm what I have been seeing lately is it's an all or nothing. You either believe it all or you don't. And mm -hmm. if you don't, you're ostracized from the group. And it's like, that's not how we, you know, move forward, though. That's not how you gain wisdom. I mean, right. with any with any religion, it's the same way, right? Like you want to gain more knowledge, more wisdom and to spread it. Right. But but if you're being challenged and you just don't accept it, and you're like, well, you're against it entirely, then you're not a part of uh, you know, moving forward with humanity as far as progressing and gaining more knowledge and all of that, all of that. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to maybe bring it a little personal here. I'm just curious about you. Like me personally, I grew up in, uh, I was born in Nova Scotia, which is a separate province than what I grew up in. Um, so I was about, I was pretty young, about nine when I moved to another province in Canada. We have provinces in Canada, by the way, for those who don't know, I know most <laughs> podcast listeners are, American. Um, but, you know, the provinces were very similar, like it's like very like almost copy and paste, right? Mm -hmm. But for some reason, found is that when I moved, there was always this wall there between in my head, we were so similar. But when mm -hmm. you know, they they thought otherwise. And it was it was weird, because I always felt mostly excluded, you know, and you know, I made I made good friends there. And I was sort of, but there seemed to be this, this little barrier there that was like, no, you're, you're not exactly like one of us. Um, and I yeah. think, and that, and that, I mean, that was a huge struggle for me to recognize that every, every group of people, you know, has sort of this, this ideology and that you, you have to be careful because there are toxic elements to each. Oh, of course. I mean, I grew up in uh, the central Valley of California um, where the Aggie portion of California is right. And that, that area is very small town, very close knit. Right. But um, they would always kind of talk smack about um, the Bay area, for example, and like how the liberals are absolutely crazy. That that's because it was a majority conservative area where I grew up in. I, I wasn't really introduced into politics until when I got into college, but there's another interesting story actually, because um, when, when I, when I got into college, it was in the Central Valley still, but the universities are very uh, kind of like 
pushed a particular agenda. And I mean, hmm. I, I even re- I even remember in in my marketing class, it was and and like my business economics class, my professors were kind of would bring in work like modern world uh, issues and concerns. But it was only until after I left that I realized, wait a second, a lot of what I was taught was a particular narrative and mm-hmm. you weren't allowed to challenge it. If you challenged it, you I, I do remember a student kind of uh, speaking out against it and the professor heard him, uh, heard what he was saying and whatnot. It was a lot of it was discussing like injustice. That's kind of what the discussion was in this mm. particular business class. And he heard him and, you know, kind of let him speak and was just like, well, we don't have enough time. So I'm going to have to stop you. Then. You know, like immediately shut him down. But in college, I didn't really think much of it because at the time I had already disagreed with what this person was saying. And you can tell everybody else kind of disagreed. So they shut him out. And the university itself, you know, has a whole entire ideology. If you walk onto any university university campus, they kind of have this uh, a very similar ideology, especially with with regards to politics and, and this whole thing with if you disagreed with it, you were completely ostracized. You, you like it, it was it, it didn't get so bad that like people were threatened, thankfully, but it was very much, you know, you are the, you are the problem with why we can't progress. You are the issue with why why things aren't improving. And you're like, wait a second, but hear his thought, though. It doesn't matter because what he believes is wrong, you know, right, right. But yeah, what you're getting on there is basically ideology, ideological possession, right? And uh, mm-hmm. it's so interesting when you see these ideologically possessed because you can kind of tell because they they know they know what they believe in, but they don't know why. And if exactly. you question them, if you mm-hmm. ask them, if I and I do this all the time to people online, and I, I've actually I've gotten kicked out of some groups. Um, for this i've been blocked many times too (laughs) yeah and it's it's so it's so interesting to me because you know i uh i studied stoicism long before it was popular and so when you know when i started this pop let's let's get engaged in in some groups and i went on some stoic groups assuming that you know everyone would be pretty welcoming but i had to question something it it's just against the narrative and it's even in stoicism and obviously i resonate so much with stoicism but there still seems to be this ideological possession possession just it's so fundamental in nature that it's in any group that you go into and it's uh i i don't know what the solution is because people like you said people just won't debate you they'll mm-hmm. they'll weasel their way out or they'll they'll call you names or they'll just say this is my personal favorite when they say well, if you don't understand why I feel the way I do, then uh, there's no business talking. Like, you'll never understand. Yeah. That's like, okay, well, that, that's that. great. That's helpful, right? <laughs> People forget that we're very political animals, right? A- Aristotle yeah. said the very nature of humanity is political. And it's not to say blue versus red, you know, as far as Democrats versus Republicans. N- not even that. Politics is more than that. Politics is also, you know, what you disagree with and, and what you don't. But in daily things, politics is also, you know, how you communicate with clients at work. You know, that that's also politics. You know, how, how you um, uh, negotiate a raise. That's a part mm-hmm. of, of politics, you know, and, and you have to question it. You really do. It, it's it's a it's a, a part of our nature. Right. And and one of the, the funny things that um, I've encountered in these in one of the so groups in in the Reddit forums was when I questioned some things. 
um, you know, after we were discussing and whatnot. And once I started to disagree with them, their response was, well, you know what, as a stoic, uh, this is out of my control. So why, why should we continue this conversation? It doesn't bother me. And I'm like, wow, you are using, you know, I get it. You're using stoicism, yeah. but like, isn't the goal to gain knowledge? And not only that, but even, uh, I believe it was Epictetus, even Epictetus had said, if you are not involved in your politics, then you are allowing your country to be ran by fools. So yes. you have to be political. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing? Just stepping away now? Like it's, it's a little ridiculous, you know? Yeah, everything's you're right. Everything's political for sure. And that that mentality where, you know, it's, it's a it's a key stoic idea where you focus on what you can control and you try and, you know, try and more or less uh, ignore what you cannot control. That is a very dangerous philosophy because it it's the question. OK, it, it's it's perfectly clear. It's perfectly logical on paper. It makes sense. But it's I don't think enough stoics, enough modern stoics give enough credit to how difficult it actually is to distinguish mm -hmm. between what is within your control and what is not within your control, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I've used the example on my podcast before, like uh, I come from a fishing family. And so, you know, when I was a kid, I would help my father uh, tie up the boat really tight. And then when a storm was coming, you know, so, you know, you gotta, you gotta do your due diligence, put everything away, make sure everything's tight. And then when you've done everything that you can possibly do, when you've given yourself the best possible chance of, of after the storm, you go inside and you wait the storm out. And, and that's what, that's what the stoic idea is. It's like, you can't, you can't control that the storm is coming, but you can do whatever you can do to prepare for it. And what I see a lot of people doing instead is it's like, you stay inside, you don't do your preparation, you don't tie mm -hmm. up your boat. And then the storm comes through and it's like, okay, well, I can't control the storm. It's like, well, yeah, but you probably could have given yourself a much better chance if you would have prepared properly. Exactly. I mean, even just discussing with people, you know, if we want to, if you still want to stay in the realm of like uh, politics, right? Discussing things with people, challenging them, challenging yourself. I mean, that's doing your due, due diligence, you know, mm -hmm. that that's, that's doing your part. I mean, somebody on, uh, on Reddit was even saying like, well, is there going to be a poll, I guess, you know, or is someone going to be elected? Something like that. Is there going to be something like that in the immediate future? And, you know, some people are saying, well, no, it's like, well, then don't worry about it. It's like, but that's not the point, though. The point is you have to prepare today. That way you are most informed to be able to make the right decisions. And you also have to yeah. spread that wisdom. That's what doing your due diligence is. That's exactly what it is. I completely agree. I mean, the whole do everything and then wait the storm. But that storm is when everybody votes. That storm is. Mm -hmm. the end result of that vote but doing your due diligence as as to say spread your wisdom argue with people debate with people challenge yourself challenge them that's doing your due diligence yes. stepping yeah. back and being like well i'm not really going to be a part of it because there's nothing i can do it's you're you're i i don't really know the term for that but that yeah that's definitely a, a problem that i see in, in modern stoicism and it also extends to just sort of like the collective human and in, in general you know and like there's this really beautiful idea in this book uh by a russian author dostoevsky and he he wrote a book called the brother karamazov i think i'm pronouncing that right um but uh but the idea was is that you know there there was a there was a, a saint essentially and there was a criminal and what the saint the saint was on his deathbed and he was trying to share his wisdom and what he said uh you know was something like 
like you shouldn't judge a criminal because well for could be that criminal you know we're, we're all imperfect but also if i am not perfect as a human if i am not perfect as an individual then i am playing some part in the collective uh the collective uh, degradation of society so if mm -hmm. you are not perfect how can you judge a criminal because you played some part in that and i mean you, you know you, you can obviously see that in in the more collective and what's what's dangerous i find about that idea is that people always say you know you can't control you can't control arrogant people you can't so just just you know just try not to worry about it and yeah there's a lot of truth to that there's a lot of value in that but also mm -hmm. recognize that maybe if you take a different approach maybe you can have some control over that you yeah. know obviously if you're doing if you're doing your the best that you can and there's and there's very ignorant it's nothing you can do at that point but don't underestimate the effects that your flaws and your own imperfections and your own values and uh, th that 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 itself can do for society in the greater good yeah i mean we've learned so much about the human mind right i think one thing that we can benefit or at least improve stoicism in in a monumental way is applying the things that we have gained since the great stoics you know left earth mm -hmm. you know psychology you know understanding the human mind there's knowledge everywhere at our fingertips you know we have to utilize all of that to to become better to make stoicism a better um you know ideal for people to to, to strive with right mm -hmm. and right now people just uh, are kind of only going back off of the 2000 year version of it you know but right. you can gain wisdom everywhere i mean i, I know that some of, a lot of it is universal it's universal in a lot of religions too but you know, you have a lot more control than, you know, than, than you think you do, right? A lot of people just kind of step away, but w there's so much more to it. How you speak to somebody can also make an impact. How you change your approach. I mean, again, we've learned so much about the human mind and how to speak with one another. Utilize that knowledge. Stoics also want more wisdom, more knowledge. And I mean, Marcus Aurelius had stated that it, it doesn't matter what like what side we join, whether it be the side of the majority or not, or, you know, what, um, what we agree with as far as them, what we should be worried about is preventing ourselves from taking on irrational beliefs of the mm -hmm. majority or the minority. So in a way, you know, Stoics should be moderate. They, sh they shouldn't, in my opinion, they shouldn't be too far left, too far right. Moderation is key maybe choose moderation, maybe choose the moderate approach, right? Yeah. And you know, that just sort of reminded me of this quote that I, uh, I love from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, he's an American scholar from the 1800s. And he said, are for the scholars idle times, I think is how it goes. And what he meant mm -hmm. by that was I love books. Like, man, I read, I read for at least an hour a day. Normally two hours, sometimes even three I read a lot and I love reading and I, I promote it a lot as well. But what he meant by that books are for the scholars idle times is that you have all the wisdom available to you at your fingertips, right? If you go out, mm -hmm. if you have a walk in nature, if you look and interact, if you talk to people, if you gain connections, uh, if you look inside yourself, you can gain so much wisdom just from that. And it's only in the times when 
you don't have access to that. And he, he would call that God. And he, he, you know, he didn't mean a man in the clouds. He meant sort of your, your, your inner divinity, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. but like, if you don't have access to that, that's when you go to books and you, you learn from books. And of course, you know, like I said, I, I, I love books and I, I read, uh, I probably read a bit too much. Um, but, but the whole point is that thinking should be number one. Exploring mm-hmm. should be number one. Experience should be number one. Books, everyone else's ideas, it's it's second. You have to do it. You have to explore other people's ideas. You have to learn. Uh, but at the same time, it's 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 only in conjuncture with your own experience and your own thought. We're all unique. People forget that. You know, we we should be having individual thoughts along with you know um, kind of categorizing one another. You know that I think that's where you kind of should you know, have your, your tribe, so to speak, right? Like if you critically think and you happen to share something similar, now build off of that, allow mm-hmm. yourselves to build more and more and more that that's, that's how we have improved, you know, through hard discussions, through disagreeing with one another, but it all starts with you critically thinking for yourself. That's how you mm-hmm. find yourself too. You know, this whole path to, I mean, I see it all the time where people are like, oh, I'm just trying to find myself. And what it's like, well, no, don't mistake trying to find yourself with trying to find somebody who will think for you, mm-hmm. you know, think for yourself. And that's how you'll find yourself, you know, find things that you enjoy, find things that you agree with, and then critically think about yourself. You know, that's how you're going to find yourself. That's how you're going to find your meaning. But don't don't say that you're you know, lost when you're trying to look for somebody that agrees with you so they can think for you. That's not what you should be doing. No, I agree hundred percent. And, uh, I, um, you know, I love Disney movies, um, a bit <laughs> some ways, but there's that, what you just said, that reminded me of that scene. Have you seen Moana by chance? Um, I, I've seen clips of it, but I haven't seen the, the actual movie full. Okay. Well, there's this scene where she, um, she's lost she's lost basically and uh you know and and her grandmother comes back and asks her like like who who are you right like you're lost now who are you and Mm -hmm. and you know it breaks out into song because it's a disney movie but but basically she was what she answered was she started by going back where did she come from you know she she comes from you know the island so she said that okay i come from this island so where where are your roots and that's a huge part on on who you are but then she Mm -hmm. also extended that she said okay that's where i'm from now, what do I love? What do I enjoy? What are my interests? And that's who you are, right? That's who you are. It's like, okay, where am I from? What do I love to do? Where am I going? And you mm-hmm. basically, wherever you are right now, that's fine. You know, I mean, you have to be somewhere. Hopefully you're a little farther along than when you were, than you were before. Uh, and where you're going, you get there by exploring your interests, by doing what, what, what you love to do and what you find meaningful. And, uh, you know, it, it it's just... It's like you said, people look to find themselves through other people. But w- what you have to do is you have to look inside yourself and say, okay, where, where do I come from? What are my values? What do I love? What are my, and that's, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's an easy thing to ask yourself, but oh, it, it, so it comes from within. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It, it's, it's no easy task at all. Right. And, and nobody says it's easy. I mean, life in general is not easy. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, constantly questioning yourself, constantly improving yourself, uh, uh, counting your flaws. I mean, that that's 
that's all really difficult to do, but that's life. That's a part of being a human. So Mm -hmm. you, and we're rational beings. We have the gift of rationality amongst all the other animals on, on earth. We have the highest uh, level of rationality and logic to, to Mm -hmm. utilize, then use it, you know, don't, don't be a bee, you know, where, 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 not born to really follow we're born to collect and and share and improve ideas that's that that's what i think we're we're really here for as far as a collective species right and and what's interesting is that for today technology has, has shown us how similar we are right mm-hmm. i mean I, I think the biggest one that, that i've noticed is um on tiktok how it's exposed how we all think the same way and and as humans, we shouldn't really group ourselves into individual boxes or, or small collective groups of boxes. We're all one gigantic box. That's and that's human. And yes, there's some cultural differences, but our upbringing in general is pretty similar overall. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been on TikTok recently, um, but, you know, there's always I, I think the funny ones that everybody seems to love are the. Um, are the inner monologues, right? Where somebody um, uh, will be sitting there, you know, and like they have a pain in their chest and like, oh my God, right? And like, everyone's like, oh my God, I thought that was only a me thing. I, I was so nervous that I had that issue. It's like, no, but every, everybody shares the mm-hmm. same human experience. I mean, the the parents that was a little bit too protective um, and millions of people from all over the world share that same sentiment. Um, talking to yourself is, a, is another one. I mean, mm-hmm. we all do it. You know, we're all very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I I see that on social media too. You know, people people will sh- will share uh, little things that, you know, little quotes and stuff that sort of they they think it and unique. You know, such as like, um, you know, I always go into a room for something, then I forget what I went in there for, and I have to go back downstairs, and then I remember, and I come <laughs> back upstairs again. And you know, and it's funny. Everyone laughs at that stuff, and people people click the share button, thinking to themselves, "Oh man, this is so me." People are, you know, people are going to find this funny because it's so me. But when people read that, they, they, like you said, they see between you and them. It's like they recognize that there's, there's something similar to you between you. And that's, that's so many people click share on those things. It's because you feel like it's unique. But then if you stand back and actually think about it, so many people share that. This is something that's such a common experience. And, you know, I think we're giving are sort of the small little pe- uh, peculiar have in our day-to-day lives, but but it extends on on the deepest of like like insecurities and 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 yeah. why we're sort of motivated by uh you know by whatever by not not fitting in maybe or or not ins uh and you know this this is sort of a you know I hate to say it it's it's a this is sort of the fundamentals of what the woke cancel culture thing is in some regards is it is you know they 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 sprout uh compassion they talk about compassion all the time and and i think compassion is a very very important thing and we should all uh, have it as humans and careful with compassion because it can't come at the cost of truth uh biological truth or or any other sort of truth uh but compassion is certainly a worthy goal and i think through that is how you actually learn to uh, to really connect with people and, and to understand that we we all share so much in common than we do differences right and i think the funny thing is that when they share those instances of, of the human experience, I mean, you don't know who they are. You don't know what they believe in, but mm-hmm. you know that you share something. 
you know, and I think that's the thing that that we forget about technology and, and kind of how beautiful it is as far as bringing people together, right? And showing people that, that we are, we are very, very similar. I mean, hmm. that uh, all of those TikToks that, were, that are being shared and whatnot, and let's say, you know, you're an environmentalist and somebody else is, is, is not, right? You don't, you have no idea if that person shares that value. I mean, does that make them any less? Well, no, like you have a shared similar experience. You are human. We all share and think very, very similar things. We all have that same, uh, very similar experiences. So to like dehumanize them, once you learn something about them is not to say that they're now a bad human being. It's just, they just have a different opinion, but that's, that's the beauty of it though. We all are, are different in the way that we critically think. And that's the point, you know, we should be critically thinking, we should be critically challenging one another, right? Oh yeah. With, with the goal of stumbling forwards towards the truth. And the yeah. key word there is stumbling, stumbling. You don't just walk towards the truth. You stumble, you, you, you mess up, you fall down, you get back up, but stumble towards the truth through dialogue. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what we, we tend to be missing. And, you know, what you were saying there sort of from, uh, Aquin Phoenix, he won, uh, he won the Oscar and, you know, he, he's a, he's an animal rights activist. And one of the things and he said in his speech was something like, you know, we all feel like we, we, uh, we champion different causes, you know, it might be queer rights or it might be transgender rights or, or, uh, or black rights. Um, but the, the commonality there is what he saw was that we're all fighting for justice is that, you know, hmm. we, we might champion different causes, but ultimately we're all fighting for justice and we all sort of share that in common. We all want to see the world get better in some way. Uh, you know, I think I do believe, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that there aren't people that are extremely bitter and resent angry at the world and, and, and want to seek its destruction. But I think generally speaking, we want to aspire to the good and we want things to get better. Now, how hmm. we get there, that's what we figure out through dialogue, but we don't do it by by alienating people and, and closing off discussion. Exactly. I mean, dialogue is the absolute, you know, kind of the only way to really move forward with those things. I mean, we forget uh, Plato uh, was hated back when uh, when he was alive. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll strongly forget that. I mean, like, yeah, we, we utilize his knowledge today and everyone like, oh, yeah, I'm a really big fan of Plato and whatnot. But would you have been a fan of him back then? Because mm -hmm. everybody hated him. And, the, exactly. and people, people hated him so much because he made people discuss things that nobody wanted to discuss. I mean, he brought people together that completely disagreed with one another all the time. And, and he saw that that was the only way for progress that was the only way to find common ground so we can move forward and mm -hmm. you know i'm pretty sure he also just likes seeing people argue but <laughs> but <laughs> but i mean that that's the way to do it you you have to be um you know um open to dialogue open to being challenged open to being wrong and i think that's the big thing you know people don't want to be wrong and and that's a part of your human nature too i mean i want to be right you want to be right everybody wants to be right and and what they feel and what they speak of but when you are wrong you have to take take that into account as as a form of becoming better you mm -hmm. know not don't let it like this whole um th that brings up you know ego is the enemy don't let somebody tell you that you're wrong and present you with new information 
and mm-hmm. you're all of a sudden, you know, you get um, offended by it. Like, no, that's new knowledge. Don't get offended. That's new knowledge for you to be to gain. You know, it has nothing to do with you as a person. You, you're just being led um, um, astray from what's now new knowledge, right? And that's the goal. But people forget, you know, your Plato was hated for that reason. So for today, we as Stoics kind of have to um, it kind of accept that we in a way kind of will be ostracized to so to speak you know because we have to bring up those those things that it's within our virtue to do that you know we we want new knowledge so we challenge people you know but we're also okay with being uh challenged of of our information right and i i think the way around that and to be honest like obviously i have in my podcast uh, the strong stoic podcast uh because i resonate with stoicism but I'm even hesitant to call myself a stoic in many ways because I don't accept all all of it. you know I have issues with some of it I don't I understand that uh, that it evolved like like anything else and I think I think the way forward through this is that we have to change our mentality as not that we are we are arguing or having dialogue in order to defend stoicism or defending Buddhism or defending what we have to think about is we are having dialogue what the truth is and that the goal has to be truth now it might disagree with your philosophy and that's hard when something mm-hmm. disagrees with your ideology and you have to come to terms with that that's a very very difficult thing to do because all of a sudden again you recognize that something that you believe in wholeheartedly is flawed but it's the only way the only way is that you have to put truth Thing. above ideology above any philosophy it all gets down to truth and that's what we should all be stumbling towards i completely agree i mean you know finding knowledge everywhere we have our knowledge at the at our fingertips right and i i would say you know wisdom we can derive it from anywhere in the modern world mm-hmm. i mean i know the stoics obviously hold and pass down such universal uh, knowledge but many of their teachings, in my opinion, are, are also a little outdated, right? I, I do agree with you to, um, to some degree as well. I mean, um, right now, many movies make us think, and as it should. I mean, mm-hmm. we should be challenged a- even in the most mundane ways, right? Um, what's, a, what's a movie that, that I can think of? Um, I know Blade Runner, for example, was really heavy with philosophy mm-hmm. and, you know, through those movies you should be critically thinking you know but also kind of applying it to the modern world don't just get stuck in like oh it was entertainment i'm leaving now like no how can you gather that and apply it to other things i think for blade the blade runner example there was a point where you know you didn't know if i think his i think his name was deckard you didn't know if deckard was um was a robot or not and because it was mm-hmm. never actually explained or like actually, um, you know, announced that he was, mm-hmm. but you were being told the entire time that the robots are, I think it's the robots, right. That, that were being hunted down. Mm-hmm. Um, you were like, you're, you're being told that they should be hunted down because they're, you know, they're flawed, but then you don't know if he is, but then you see his actions are noble. You see his actions are good. You see that he's also challenging himself as far as like, is this wrong what I'm doing? And so towards the end of the movie, you're kind of thinking, wait a second, is it wrong? 
that mm-hmm. it does like like what he's doing is it morally wrong like why why it, it could, in a way it kind of like loses its purpose but that's the point you shouldn't right. have to know you know you shouldn't have to know whether he was or wasn't we should be judging and then if you want to bring it to the modern world it's like well we should be judging people on their character then not on who they are what they are what they represent what's their character like right i, I think that that's the beauty of the modern world you know, deriving wisdom from so many different places, right? You really think about it. We're all part of so many groups. And the question is, is that, is your group identity worth more than you as an individual? And I think mm-hmm. if most people think about it, really think about it, they're going to say no. And the reason they're going to say no is because, you know, I'm not saying this is true everywhere, but I mean, you know, we, I live in Canada, you live in the U.S. There's so much opportunity here. There's so much, we have so much freedom. On top of that, we have responsibility, which which comes with freedom. Uh, mm-hmm. But the point is, is that if you, as an individual want to get your shit together, want to get your life together, you want to achieve something, I think you have a lot of opportunity to do that here. And yeah. I don't think it's idea to let your group identity hold you back. Because is that, first of all, is it really holding you back? And I would argue that for some groups, it is a little bit. Of course it is. You know, there 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 is racism and there is prejudice and there is these things. The question is, is it the most important thing mm-hmm. or, or is it if you study enough at school, if you work hard enough at work? Yeah. I mean, perspective. Yeah. And uh, where I grew up, um, you know, a little personal note, I mean, I, I grew up in the, in a bad part of town, so to speak, you know, the ghetto that that's kind of, where I mm-hmm. grew up, who I grew up with was, you know, majority minority people. And, you know, the mentality there is very, very harsh. I, I can, you know, remember that time, right, when mm-hmm. nobody really believed that that they would be able to get out of it. You know, I think that some of the biggest conversations amongst kids graduating from middle school was, am I going to make it past high school? You know, and that's a pretty scary thought. And I completely empathize with that. But a lot of it is your mentality, right? I, and I understand that there's some things that, that, you know, that hold you back. I mean, I was, um, you know, I guess really poor, so to speak, when, when, when I was growing up. And mm-hmm. I lived on a completely opposite side of town. And it got to a point where, you know, I would have to bike three plus miles every day to go to school. But I chose to bike i chose to continue to go to school i chose to actually be alone because a lot of people that i lived around weren't benefiting me and i realized mm. that when i was growing up their mentality is not benefiting me i chose to say no to them i chose to only hang out with a different group of people um you know i chose to want different things in life and thank god you know my, my dad also taught me that you know my dad always told me that opportunity is everywhere you have to Mm -hmm. look for it you have to be open to exploring it and you have to you know accept that sometimes that opportunity is not going to look pretty you know i would have to i mean my my dad um broke his back at at one point and um he had he had to raise three kids and he would he got disability and whatnot but disability um money that would come in is not enough to raise three kids it's Mm -hmm. only enough just for you right and he was a single, single father. So the opportunity for him was, you know what, I'm being offered to go paint with a friend with a broken back. 
I mean, that sucks. And I understand that it sucks. But sometimes the opportunities are also not pretty, but you have to take them. You have to mm -hmm. be willing to take them. I mean, even even college, I worked two jobs. I mean, it's and and I and I didn't have a car. I biked. You know what I mean? It's like we all have our struggles, mm -hmm. you know, but that opportunity is there. How resilient are you willing to train your brain to be? And I think that that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, that really resonates with me. And and, uh, you know, just to say again, obviously, we're we're. we're you know, we live in sort of these westernized worlds, uh, not, you know, not because not everyone has that opportunity. And, and I, I understand that as well. I recognize mm -hmm. that there are some people that that are just born and they don't have much, much choice, but or much chance. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's like, like what like what choice do you have that like that's what always gets me is like, like, I, I understand that uh, everyone has struggles. And I, I honestly, I grew up poor as well. Like there were there were times there were times in my childhood, you know, we like very adamant that we turn off the lights when we left the room. It was like, you know, don't use any electricity because if we can get the bill down 20 bucks less a month, you know, that's that's 20 more bucks that we need. Like, yeah. you know, and I, I grew up in struggle as well. And, you know, I wouldn't compare my struggle with with some. Others, but but, you know, I, I definitely understand that that I, I, I come from that uh, that as well, where it's like. Like some people have it better than others and that that's, that's just the way it is but it's like what's what choice do you have are you going mm -hmm. to aspire to be better or are you going to aspire to be bitter are you going to be aspire to, to 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 be worse like do you want to make the world better or do you want to make the world worse to me it's like there's only one choice there's only one clear choice you have to move towards the good and that might mean working your ass off and that might mean you know biking back because you don't have a car or it might mean walking because you don't have a bike but it, yeah. it doesn't mean you know for lack of a better phrase turning to evil exactly i mean we're, we're all born unequal you know some people are going to be born with much more than you mm -hmm. but we're all going to die equal we're going to die the same way you know and mm -hmm. and at the end of the day you have to live life as though it were your last you know always give which is to say give it all you have give it everything that you have, you know, pour your passion into it and understand that equal opportunity ensures that where you started is not where you're going to end, you know, but the thing is, are you going to see it though? Cause that's a part of wisdom. You know, the, yeah. the, the virtue of wisdom is being open to seeing opportunity for like to, to benefit you. That's the point of wisdom, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's being able to seek it. And then take advantage of it to be able to benefit you. And again, like sometimes opportunity is not going to look pretty, but, you know, like we can all agree that life isn't always pretty, you know. So this couple years in your lifetime of like, you know, an, uh, an unpleasant opportunity is what's going to get you to a more pleasant opportunity and another mm -hmm. pleasant opportunity. You know, that that's kind of how it works. Right. Because there's no other way. Right. Uh, otherwise you're just going to stoop into your own despair, you know, and, and like, and that's not going to get you nowhere. You're only solidifying where you're going to stay. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I have, I have a bit of empathy in, in me too, for, for the fact that, as you alluded to, not everyone knows what is good and what mm -hmm. is bad. Like sometimes, sometimes you are so 
involved or so encompassed by city that that is your life that you don't what is right and what is wrong and i you know i uh i had some of those to toxic uh traits sort of distilled into me as i was growing up and and you know it's it's looking back traits were toxic uh you know for example i really struggled with um with people people's imperfections you know like if if they if they were rude to me one day or something i would be really cold i'd be like okay well i don't need you in my life and you know i'm an introvert so i don't need i don't need that many friends anyway but but what mm -hmm. i found was that um i mean everyone we're social beings everyone, but but so you know i i found that okay well i you know i probably should have some friends and with the fact that that people were imperfect and people were flawed and it it took telling me just flat just just blatantly telling me uh that listen man sometimes people don't know what they're doing wrong sometimes people are just you know they don't they don't know maybe they don't even mean maybe they're not you know maybe they just they just don't know that they're being rude and mm -hmm. and that just blew me away and I, I think about that that was you know one of my best friends in university and i think about that all the time because i think i could have got there on my own like now yeah. that sort of that sort of started me towards being more compassionate and empathetic trying to understand people which led me into sort of psychology and, and philosophy and all this stuff but i don't think i could have got there if someone didn't sit me down and say listen man you got this wrong and it it just blows my mind because it i mean like i said i'm an introvert so i you know i i uh, my my friends are are close but but I, you know, I don't have like a million friends on Facebook. Uh, I have really, I have a few really good friends that I trust and then I speak to regularly. Mm -hmm. uh, but even as an introvert, we still need people to help yeah. us grow and to and to show us the things that we are not seeing. Yeah, I mean, I wear my heart on my sleeve, honestly. I mean, I'm, I've always been nice to people, even people who, quite frankly, don't deserve it, and. Um, mm -hmm. My, my fiance would, would tell me that, you know, like, Hey, this person was being extremely rude to you. Like, why are you still talking to them? And I'm like, well, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. I mean, mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly believe that how you make a difference is not by these collective things, right? There are other ways to make the world a better place. It's also at the individual level, how you treat people, how you speak to people, you know, because that's in my opinion that's one of the best ways that, that that you can change the world because if everybody had that mentality i can guarantee you that the world would be a better place right it is is at the individual level you don't need to be part of a facebook community group you don't need to be a part of environmentalist group or you know this political party this whatever this like it that doesn't matter if on the daily basis the individual interactions are not reflecting that you know you Mm -hmm. You can you can change the world. If you want to change the world, do it yourself. Do it at the individual level as well. Don't forget that. It's so powerful. Right. And I think that as far as like stoicism goes, these are some of the things that, you know, need to be uh, updated. Right. Like this kind of stuff needs to be presented more in, in stoicism. Like um, I think a really good example is one of them was um, stoicism likes to say, you know, dress modestly, for example. Right. And I would mm -hmm. disagree with that to a, to a degree, because how we present ourselves is so important today, you know, with uh, mm -hmm. interviews, with uh, um, 
meeting somebody new, you know, all of those are really important. And again, the Stokes would say, wear something simple, like a modern day minimalist. And that's totally fine. But I think as a stoic, I think uh, um, we shouldn't spend, you know, our money on crazy things, crazy, lavish things to present ourselves in the best way. Right. Maybe experiences. But what I personally do is Mm -hmm. like, if I want to buy something nice, a stoic way to approach that is don't buy anything at full price. <laughs> For me personally, yeah, yeah. I, I, I go to Marshall's. Like, why would I spend crazy money when name brand stuff is cheaper at Marshall's? You know, like we need to present ourselves. Mm-hmm. But how would we apply a stoic teaching to that? How would we update the stoic teaching to that? Well, don't buy everything at full price then. <laughs> right? That, right. That's kind of what, what I would say. No, no, you definitely, I mean, you need to modernize stuff and you, and you need to, you need to fit it to your world. I mean, do a job interview and, uh, you know, in, in rags, uh, you might not get the job and then you might not yeah. ever get a job if you interviews like that. And then you're not gonna have any money and then you're not gonna be able to pay rent. You won't be able to buy food and you're gonna be on the street. Um, yeah. and so I was like, you know, and that, that's the issue with, again, back to putting too much emphasis on the ideology and not actually thinking yeah. for yourself and even, even shaming yourself. Like some people would shame themselves for that. It's like, Oh, you know, I don't, you know, I shouldn't have to dress nice to go to this interview. And I was one of those people, man. Like, believe me, when I was, uh, when I was a, a younger lad, even now I still, in my head, I'm like, you know, I want my personality to shine through. So be too fancy, but there's a minimum, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you can't wear rags down the street and expect to make friends. You know, it's probably not going to happen uh, because exactly. society, modern society is, it's not set up that way. Uh, and so as, as noble as that is, you can practice humility in other ways, such as like you just humility by, okay, well, do I need to spend like $300 on a dress shirt or can I go get one for like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks at, at Marshall's or, you know, what I, what I do is like, okay, I, I drive a, um, a 2014 Honda Accord. Yeah. Believe me, I get, I get an itch in my back every day. That's like, oh, you know, I'd love, I'd love to have a, a new truck, but I say, well, you know what, why do I need a new truck? My car works fine. It's great. I do enjoy driving it. So, you know, it's just, you got to find these ways you got, you have to take the, uh, the essence of what they are trying to preach and apply it to your own life in a modern way. So for example, like, dressing modestly well what is that what's the real essence of that humility now how can i apply humility to my life well why do you need a brand new car drive an older vehicle done exactly you're only doing yourself a benefit to yourself right that's that that's kind of what it is you're you're um not diving too much into too many wants into too many passions because then you start going into desire right because that that's Mm -hmm. one thing you have to have to moderate the moderate your desire i mean what was what is me wanting uh, a nicer suit really showing? Well, that's showing that I have a higher desire to look better. But if the goal is just to just be presentable, well, then I don't really need to succumb to my desire of trying to get the most expensive thing because I feel like that's going to make me look better. No, right. just present yourself. Present yourself well. So... I don't need to spend that much money. Just go to Marshall's, you know, same thing with the, with the, with the car. I mean, you don't, you don't need to buy one to buy a new car. If uh, you know, cause you're just only succumbing to your desire of wanting something new as opposed mm-hmm. to just using what you already have. Yeah. And, and the, the real 
value in that. The biggest value is that by by living modestly now, uh, you know, by not spending over overly spending on vehicles or overly spending on clothes, it's really a sacrifice. So yes, you're you're humbling yourself, which most of us need when we're young, um, but it's also a sacrifice because well, you're making your future better. You're giving yourself the opportunity to make your future better. You're saving money, maybe else maybe you can invest it properly um but if you only live paycheck to paycheck and and you know you're, you're never going to make your future better so i think it's it's a double-edged sword it's like yes live live modestly and modernly um mm -hmm. but with with the goal of humbling yourself but goal of making your future better and i think that's a, a big thing you know bringing it back to to idolizing i mean what we see on 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 media i mean we're being told constantly to kind of buy the next new thing right mm -hmm. but that's where you know heavy doses of stoicism needs to to kind of be more in in you know more at play you know do i need that no probably not i already have something similar to that you know it's uh i don't need to look that way i don't need to be presented this way i mean we're kind of constantly being told to idolize something so we can become that but that's not what's going to give us you know passion from freedom you know that's not going to give us true tranquility in our in our lives which is a part of stoicism it's being happy with less because even if you have the world you know there comes a point where you're still not going to be happy so you need to be happy with less happy with what you have and and your own individual yeah, well, guess what? The richest person in the world is Elon Musk, and all all he is thinking about is going off to another planet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and even same thing with uh, with Jeff Bezos. He's like, yeah, I I want to put humans in in space. You know, it's like it's come on, like don't don't go haywire with with, with what you want and desires. Like you shouldn't have to um, appease other people. Appease yourself. If anything, what I do is I always look back to my, to me at 16. I'm like, would that, would Daniel at 16 be proud of me at this point in time? Mm -hmm. Like, hell, hell yeah. I think we could all agree if we, if we looked back on it, like no matter how small that progress was, you still, you know, live another day. You still met new people. You still have newer, nicer things like where we should be a lot more grateful, you know? Mm-hmm. Or we look back and we're proud of who we are and we better damn well make a change. And that's fine exactly. too. That's fine yes, too. You mean... and, that, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Progress isn't linear, right? Sometimes you go up, sometimes you go down. Hopefully you're going, hopefully you're trending up. Uh, but I mean, Jesus, life is so unpredictable. You don't know. Sometimes, sometimes things get bad. Um, but still practicing perspective will, uh, it's, it's, it's great. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, do, do you have any other uh, topics that you wanted to discuss? No, I think I think we pretty much hammered away at uh, at most everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, awesome. I would say just if I can, if if anyone's interested, just uh, check me out on on Instagram. Uh, I do run my own podcast, the Strong Stoic Podcast. Um, so I'm most active on Instagram at the Strong Stoic. You can find me there. Um, pretty much everywhere. I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts. Pretty much everywhere so check me out there uh if anyone is interested and um i get you'd like to talk about it. i'd like to thank you man like it was it was a great talk i on 
like I say, we hit we hit a lot of uh, a lot of good topics here and hit some personal notes as well, which uh, which for me I always enjoy. So, uh, so thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much for joining the show, Brandon. I had a great conversation with you as well, and uh, so much more to think about, right? Oh yeah, well, it never ends, man. Like it never ends. The journey never ends. Like there's always something more to contemplate, and and uh, and some people that disheartens them, but for me, it it it's motivating because it means I can live my whole life and still have questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the beauty of it. it. Yeah. That's the, yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I do appreciate it. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend, buddy. Yep. Thanks, man. You too. Cheers. Bye. Are you not entertained? Well, yes, yes, I am. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for stopping by then. Come back every Tuesday and Thursday for more Stoic discussions. The Stoic Sage is on Instagram. We appreciate the support. Remember that it's one day at a time, one step at a time. Be confident in yourself to create the best version of yourself. Until next time, this is the Stoic Sage.